the Black National Anthem. Lift every voice and sing till love and heaven ring, ring with our homies, holy liberty. Let our The present has brought us Facing the rising sun Of a new day Let us march on Till victory is won days ahead but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop I don't mind like anybody I would like to live all right welcome to another episode of the black Jackson estate I am user two you know what to do um checking in live we're at it one more time and happy to be here. I am doing good. User 1.5, how are you? Uh, you know, I'm doing well. It is the end. We are rounding out the end of Black History Month. It's been a good month. So, you know, other than the fact that North Carolina looks like Seattle, um, yeah, it's been raining every other day. Other than that, though, good times. To be fair, pretty much every state in the country looks like seattle it's been constant rain constant snow in places where it shouldn't be um if the temperature's not low enough then you're just getting monsoons very gray very dreary very london weather we're coping so um more power to you as you seek out vitamin d user one are you there what's up i'm here and I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the Zoom house of the <laughs> Lord. I am so happy to be here. 
it's Black History Month. I've been good. I, I've been unbothered all month. And it seems like the devil really comes at you in Black History Month. It's always something that happens. But I've been unbothered this year. Except for I think I might have fell off once. Something got under my skin. But other than that, it's been a beautiful year so far. Beautiful. Well, amen. I was wondering where you were going with that scripture. I don't know if we'll be doing any (laughs) praise and worship this evening. but We can, but... (laughs) (laughs) We can always. We can always. That's always in order. Yeah, I mean... I told you about the time the guy showed up to court and said Jesus was his attorney. I think you did tell me about that. Did I tell this. you about that? Can you can you tell us a little bit more, though? Because so, everybody else needs to know about it. And let me tell lie. you guys. He didn't lie. This guy shows up to court, and he's representing himself. So he's a pro se litigant. And you never know what you're going to get when people decide to represent themselves. It's a very bad decision. But if you don't financially have the means to hire an attorney... You got yourself, right? And so that's what people will do. And this guy comes in and the judge tells him, you know, listen, dude, I'm not, we're not going to go down this today. Are you prepared? If you're not, I'm just going to go ahead. He's pretty much about to railroad him. And the guy goes, but but fairly, it was going to be fair. It just was going to suck, right? And the guy goes, well, you know, he says, do you have an attorney? He said, no, Jesus is my attorney. He said, well, I can give you a continuance to get an attorney. He said, I don't, Jesus is my attorney. He is my counsel. So all the attorneys are sitting on the side and we just kind of like, okay. You know, we're just, we want to know how this is going to end because we're just, no, it's going to end badly. The guy makes his case as far as um, that, you know, uh, who whose law was higher, the judges or gods. I mean, he's just going and he's saying what he's got to say. He believes it. And he actually won that round. And the judge uh, gave him what he was looking for that day. I'm sure he didn't win overall, but he won that round. And I've never seen that happen. And it was the first time. But apparently, Jesus, if you call on him in the, what the song say, he is a doctor. Jesus on the main line. <laughs> He's a lawyer in the courtroom. what you want. Apparently that works, folks. I've seen it. So, uh, but don't, don't do it if you don't know him. Because if you don't know him, he won't know you and he will not be representing you that day in court. So be careful. But if you know him, call on him. Call, call on him. So, hey, Write you know. out all my scriptures. <laughs> That's my favorite part. <laughs> he brings all of my medicine in the room. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you know, just, just, hey, <laughs> I probably will never see that again, but I'm glad I did see it that day in Henderson County, North Carolina. So, uh, oh, wow. That explains a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot of it. I think it's also worth noting that while we are recording in Black History Month, in true uh, Black Jackson Estate fashion, this will not be coming out during it Black might. History Month. Don't I say mean, that. It, it, it could. could. Thank you. Leave the door but, open. But here's the thing. Today's the... We're recording this on the 25th. 25. There are only 28 days in the month, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can just cross our fingers and see what happens. You might um, have a burst. I could I have, have an editing actually. burst. Mm-hmm. I could have an editing burst. Um, I could also take several naps between now and then, which is typically what I do. So we're going to see. But Black History Month 365 is how we live 
at the Black Jackson Estate. And so um, we're really excited about today's episode where we're going to talk about some of Michael Jackson's blackest moments. But before we do that, we don't have an episode sponsor this episode. We want to remind y'all that you can sponsor any of these episodes and tithe unto the good deeds that uh, we're doing and help us out over here at the Black Jackson Estate um, for the very low, low cost of $31.98. That covers everything we do. So remember, everything we're doing is out of pocket and out of love for the L-O-V-E, as Michael would say. Um, so we appreciate any help that y'all can give. Support us by donating at www.paypal.me forward slash Black Jack Estate. You can also follow each of us on social media. User one runs the tweets. Check us out on Twitter at Black Jack Estate, and that's B L K Jack Estate. User 1.5 Latoya is found at Rena Latoya, and <laughs> I am user two. Ashley K. Blue, and that's Ashley with the I know cap. Uh, our Instagram is live and running. That's Instagram.com forward slash BLK Jack Estate, or just type in BLK Jack Estate, you know. Um, and remember, wherever you're streaming us, if you could right now hit pause, leave us a comment, rate us. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, shut the fuck up. If you do have positive things to say, please share them. We would love uh, to read them on the podcast. Yeah, if you're going to be rude, come to the Twitter so we can drag you after you after you show your tail. I think that feels like a really good solution. Yeah, User because... One, you, you, you got some positive feedback recently. You want to share that with the kids? I'm always... I am always on 10. When we get... We get a lot of messages, and I appreciate it. Y'all also go rate us wherever you're listening to us in addition to those messages. If you ever send us a message, you know that I am responding to you. Sometimes we're having like a whole conversation. Sometimes it's just me acknowledging and saying what I got to say in response to what you sent. But we always, always... Someone's going to respond to you, and we love meeting new fans and meeting new people because, as we say, if we're ever in your city post uh, pandemic plus vaccinated, we will get some tacos with you for sure. Like, or whatever it is your city is known for as far as food, so long as it involves um, some sort of meat, we will we mm. will be there for that. So, yeah, I like black bean burgers. Me too, but please don't tell me that that's what your city's known for because yeah, that'd be a letdown. <laughs> We're so what if it's what if it's something okay, so we have to respect our vegan friends. I and love family. it because I'm veganish myself. So vegan give me some ish. okay, ish. heavy on the ish, yeah, part. heavy on the ish, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm not mm-hmm. at all. I haven't been before. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted, but I am it's tough to commit in a world where there's chicken nuggets. Ooh, um, that's true. So yeah, for Cook all of our chicken nuggets, slap. Yeah. Mm, mm, for for our dear friends who have never been to the prestigious uh Southern Regional Takeout restaurant known as Cookout, uh, you're really missing out on a treat because they've yeah. got all of the delicacies, chicken nuggets, cheddar bites, Corn fried dogs. okra. Uh, you can get any type barbecue platter. Yeah. The sweet tea is quite delicious, as is the lemonade. I mean, we could go on and on. Um, Are y'all hungry? Oh, what's going on here? I think I think you see what was happening. Did you have dinner? I did. I had a salad. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, oh, okay. So this is just yeah, you. Yeah, I get it now. Yeah, it's very delicious. Let me co-sign that. Yeah. 
Yeah, the salad was from uh, Bojangles, though. But that's another that, story. Girl, yeah. you should have just got the Supremes and called it a night. Right. Just and relax. Relax. <laughs> you can't get cucumbers and lettuce any other yeah, way. You can just order the salad, but eat the Supreme. You could have got a Supreme salad. Is that what you got? Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, you good now. So tell us the feedback that we've gotten mm-hmm. uh, recently. So... Shout out to James on Twitter, who is 16 years old and found our podcast and really um, is enjoying it. Um, He said that uh, he discovered us a couple of days ago and he's been listening to our stuff. I think this is super cool because we're double his age. Ah! Why? And it's always... I mean, I'm saying like that because when people his age think that what you're doing is kind of is cool or is dope. That's cool. Like you don't feel so old. So I mean, I she appreciate always it. Trying to call out somebody age. I know. I didn't I even say nothing about you. I said we were double his age. You're actually double plus his age. We are. Wow. You see this level of just maliciousness. It's mm-hmm. mean. She's devilish. I can't do it. <laughs> no, oh, not devilish. <laughs> but James said, "I'm still learning so much every day about the Jacksons, and this podcast has truly taught me a lot." I teach hashtag he said um the podcast is amazing and he loves the way we're holding up the jackson family legacy shout out to james for dropping us that beautiful message there's nothing like seeing wonderful words of encouragement affirmation and love first thing in the morning i check the messages first thing in the morning so if you send something off the chain you will be responded to in kind because you have messed up my am ritual okay but james you are our number one fan this weekend we appreciate you appreciate the love so many people drop us notes i'm not uh cherry picking i'm just that one sat with me this week but so many people send us messages say they love what we're doing love that we're doing it from a perspective that is often neglected um we've actually got um a guest who is uh connected to michael coming on who we've already spoken to has said that you know the idea of what we're doing is so needed so thanks everybody for the love thank you james thank you twitter world instagram world if you don't know we're on instagram we are on instagram Instagram. Go check us out over there as well. Um, and we have a lot of overlap, but also those two pages, Twitter and our Instagram are different. Um, and so we appreciate everybody. Uh, but most especially this week, we want to show some love to 16-year-old James, who is not only learning his own about the Jacksons, but ingesting some of what we have to say. He can accept it or reject it. We're glad he's accepting some of it. But when he disagrees, we know you're going to let us know. And um, we love the clapbacks, too. When people say, hold on a second, I don't know if I agree all the way. We love that, too. Um, So shout out. Keep sending us messages. Keep uh, dropping us DMs. Leave a comment wherever you're listening on uh, Podbean. I didn't even know that was a thing. People are leaving us messages over there. That's cool. Podbean, Apple uh, Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you're listening to your podcast, you can drop us a, a rating and a message. We would love to hear what you have to say. If you have any suggestions for shows, something you think we should talk about that we haven't talked about, let us know. And we just might do that. Yeah, that'd be super nice. Um, cool. So I think we're going to get into a little bit of news before we get into today's subject. So um, I know User 1 over on Twitter and User 1.5 over on Instagram have both been posting some Black history content. So y'all want to talk about some of the stuff that you've been posting uh, throughout the month of February? We live Black History Month every single day of our lives because we are Black every single day of the year. Um, But this month we've been doing a lot of 
posting of some of the Black entertainers or Black people who have contributed to society, contributed to entertainment, contributed to the world as a whole. Um, it's been really fun. Uh, it's also been really, uh, what's the good word? Eye-opening for me as well. Some of the entertainers I, I've known about, but I didn't realize how profound their their talents or, you know, skills or knowledge, you know, how profound it was in, in the world. It seems that the Instagram world, our favorite person this month so far has been the one and only Barry Gordy. That's so exciting for us. Uh, we don't get a lot of, most of the time, the recognition Black people get in the United States is because we've been murdered by the state and uh, we get a lot of coverage when that happens. So taking a break from that or not necessarily taking a break, but taking a different direction and having a couple of days a month to talk about some of the positive things happening in our community, the things that have happened in our past, where we're going and uh, where we've been as great. So Black History Month is phenomenal. Remembering that Michael Jackson is a black man and highlighting his contributions to society all over the world. What got me excited about doing it this month was the idea that I could talk about Michael in a way uh, that was global. Um, so if, if you've been following us and checking out some of our posts on Twitter, um, which are also showing up on Instagram um, and vice versa, uh, we've highlighted not only from Janet to things that uh, George Clinton um, has said about Michael Jackson, Liberians talking about Liberian Girl and how they felt when that song came out. Um, we've just been hitting it from all corners and it's so beautiful and it reminds you how impactful Michael Jackson has been to the globe. And there is no one else who has had the impact that he has had on the entire world. Um, shout out to everybody also doing the same thing on Twitter and highlighting Michael's moments uh not his estate uh that's uh, pretty uh, lackluster over there so shout out to everybody who's checking us out um and uh because our content is much much better so uh it's been fun man that estate really knows how to screw the pooch for pretty much <laughs> anything valuable they just won't leave it alone that's what I don't get just don't try <laughs> um <laughs> try. Sorry, Michael just jumped into my spirit. Um <laughs> cool. So uh Black History 365, keep it going. We love to see it, and that's what we do over here at the Black Jackson Estate. So I think our next piece of news, we're we're talking about Taj's fundraiser for the Truth Runs Marathons, his project. And currently he sits at 29% to goal. So it's taking him some time to pull these funds together. And he's still very much in the process of it. Have y'all read his latest update that came out um, maybe like last week or the week before in February? We have reread. Yeah, I'm pretty up to date. I also got a chance to watch his, uh, he went live. I didn't watch it when he went live, but I watched the recording later where he also gave a bit of an update on what was going on. And, you know, I'm going to just go ahead and cut to it so we can move on. I'm gonna, We're going to keep it real because, I mean, 
I don't know what else to do. It's just too hard to sugar to do too much sugar coating. There, I appreciate Taj's efforts, but there needs to be more product at this point that is shown to the dozens and scores and uh, thousands of people who have donated. And I'm not saying that as someone who has donated, I haven't, but I have found standing in this matter because I have supported on Twitter, uh, Taj's uh, efforts and and still do, but I do think that we need to see more product, something, the wheels turning um, and not just these verbal updates or written updates. I think we need to see some product. And let me also say that, you know, we've talked to people who have donated, who are uh, not going to say out loud, but are saying privately like, hey, actually, I wish I hadn't donated because it doesn't look like anything's happening. So it doesn't mean that nothing will happen, but I think that a showing of good faith of something, you know, um, needs to happen here. And that's not, this is constructive criticism to just say that, uh, listen, and if, if we can't be critical, um, constructively, then we're just lying because you're just always just hopping on someone's side. Um, Ashley, I know that, uh, he's kind of, he, he's, he's given some reasons for this, the slowness of the effort being the pandemic. Um, and the pandemic certainly has impacted everyone and everything that they're trying to do. Um, I know that he has made the comment that the, the pandemic has prevented him from doing interviews. Um, and so that has really, uh, slowed him down and he's got family things and family obligations. I'm curious, how do you guys feel about that explanation? And do you feel it's it's uh, completely valid at this point? Or do you feel that there is something else that needs to be shown to justify the continued push for contributions to the project? Oh, there's a million things he could do better. So I talked with Taj shortly before he started this. And when you check the GoFundMe page, it looks like he started it uh, January 21st, 2019. So we are now in the year of our Lord, 2021, and Taj is only 29% to goal. And when I spoke with him in uh, 2018, very briefly, uh, we chatted over the phone. And I, I told him, listen, if you're going to be aggressive about fundraising, you got to have a plan. And I just don't think there's a plan here. Um, I think anytime you've got a goal that's under a million dollars, you have to start set some benchmarks and you have to do regular outreach to make sure that you get those coins in the door. And this comes from my over a decade of experience fundraising for every campaign I've ever worked for. So, you know, you can't just say we want to raise $777,000 and not hit benchmarks every month to get you there. So there's clearly not a good set of goals or benchmarks being established. It also looks like he doesn't have enough help on the fundraising end, which is really what where we need to see the most action. And going back to user one's point, it's hard for people to give when the only products we've received thus far have been uh, these statements that appear on the GoFundMe page and the teaser that came out in 2020. And that was basically a PowerPoint that didn't even have any sound effects for real. Like, it was very, very much an iMovie. It looked like something. It looked like something. It's an iMovie. It looked like an iMovie creation. You can literally make what Taj 
showed us. I don't know if he made it, but whatever that was, you could do that on your iPhone. First of all, I was doing that in 11th grade for <laughs> projects that I had to present in the front of the class. On like, and, PowerPoint. And on PowerPoint. And I feel like I did more, a little more than that uh, with my little uh, 98 Special Windows. Special effects. <laughs> 98 yeah. Windows. He, did, he didn't even have enough transition effects on there. Windows you know? 2000. You know, I mean, like... I, you can I, put the spinner on it. It could have spun <laughs> in. You can put the, the fucking pixelated Thing, and we're not you know? laughing. You no, can, we, yes, are we, laughing. Are. we are laughing. We are laughing because I mean, and it's first of all, the effort is a one, and the the passion behind it is a one. When he first came out with this thing, people were saying, "Why isn't your family giving?" No, right? I don't. I think you're wrong. I think you need to stop right there. The Why effort. Why? The effort is not a one. Oh, uh, uh, did I say effort? The passion. Strike yeah. that. Passion. Okay, strike that. The passion is A1. He's got the he's got the heart for it. And I think that maybe he needs to continue to build out a team that can help him execute getting to what he needs to then do the creative side. But then there's a business side, like you said, a fundraising side. And there's a, and honestly, it's such a big undertaking. He definitely has to have a team. But at this point, um, if, and let me tell you researchers. this. Let me That's tell you That's all this. we know. That's all I can oh. tell y'all. If I filed a complaint in, in court when Taj started fundraising and for this long didn't move the needle, the judge would dismiss it for failure to prosecute. Probably. I He's need a, re- a good reason what? to not move forward. So he needs to move forward. So, I, I mean, I just don't. I'm not as into the fundraising. Because, I, I mean... Low-key, high-key, I think Taj, I think his heart's in the right place. He clearly didn't have a plan. Um, From the beginning, we know he didn't have a plan. My issue at this point with him is... Well, time out. You say he didn't have a plan. Now, what points you to that? Is it that because you feel it was reactionary to what was happening? So it was was like... Right. And the whole MJ community was, you know, we had all those documentaries with all the lies and all the, you know, all that stuff. And I get it. You want to defend your family members. And I and I totally understand that. And and no one knew Michael probably better than 3T because he spent so much time with them and they were really close with him. When you don't have a plan and you not only don't have a plan, but you don't know how to execute. You got to remember Taj is from the Jackson family and he's second generation Jackson. So he, he's like Jermaine on steroids, you know, (laughs) he's like Randy times 10. It's, he never has had to do anything on his own. He's never had to, you know, three T showed up at the studio and they were just like, all right, we got to sing this song. Okay, cool. And they singing songs and they go home and, you know, eat their Wheaties and drink chocolate milk and cookies in bed. Like, I don't think it's fair to compare Taj to Jermaine because Jermaine <laughs> always no, gets Jermaine a budget. Stayed right. working. Jermaine works Damn. too. He he got his budget. Jermaine does work, but the my problem at this point, okay, forget the lack of plan, forget the lack of funding, which clearly you know Miss Katie ain't throwing no dollars at it, and Paris Prince and and uh, BG ain't publicly. Paris said Taj got it. Literally, so, that's what she said at wait, one point. Wait, wait, wait. We need to be clear. They have said that, but we don't know what they have given or anyone else has given behind the scenes. We are simply going off you are what we, is on no, this GoFundMe. Right, right. And that that's disclaimer should go beyond everything we say. Of course, our, our opinions are opinions. And we're only going off of what we see. Um, And that that's it. And what we see is never the full story. So, of course, there's more that's to this. True. But 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 also, perception is reality. So let's talk about that. When you're public-facing, perception is reality. 
reality. It doesn't all this stuff behind the scenes. People can't see it. So they don't even consider it, even though it, it, it it's a part of what makes the story full and truthful. People can't see it. The part that I have an issue with is the excuses as to why he can't do something now during the pandemic. Listen, every news outlet, every person on this planet has found a way in the last year to remotely interview people, to, to, to Skype, to Zoom. I mean, it's all you know, we do. All, it, that's literally our lives at this point. So to say I can't conduct an interview because we're in a pandemic. Well, that's not true. That's a bold faced lie. You can't conduct an interview because we are doing it right now, making this podcast. So, so, my issue is that you don't have a plan. Okay, cool. But now you're lying to us and you think we're stupid and you've collected 270 plus thousand dollars from people who are waiting for something and you not even that money. much. 228,000. Two years later, just drop a list of researchers. Hell, we could have researched for you at this point. What are you doing? The research is done. Like we know who the people are that you should follow up with to talk to. I think Taj is more concerned about the quality of the project and wants to be in person and make sure everybody's mic'd up and blah, blah, blah. And that's cool. But just like Joe Biden had figured out, you're going to have to figure it out, boo-boo. I have friends in California who are shooting on location right now. They are masked up. Tom Cruise just went uh, viral not long ago for talking about how important it is that you quarantine and you gatekeep on small sets. And we're all doing this as we slowly return to work, as we go to the grocery store every day. There are ways we have now learned to be around other humans and protect yourself. So Taj, my advice, double mask as the CDC has advised us and get in front of some of those folks who live in Los Angeles County. That is absolutely start local, start local, like start local. I mean, first start with your family. Yeah. Get all those on the record. Just start with them and and go from there. I know you like start with, you know, start with your family, start with your dad, you know, and we all love Papa T and, and we never can forget those weird tweets he sent about hot and sticky and we love him. (laughs) That's not even, and now I'm going to have bad dreams tonight about hot and sticky. (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, Taj, like you could easily just start with your own. Start with your own people and and then work out from there. But at least now you've covered that base because that was a base. That's a base that has to be covered. Family. So cover it now. And and one other thing I like to say to him, you don't have to focus on all these goofy interviews because what we know is that the media is not going to publicize you in the way that we would like. When you first came out, when Brandy... Jackson first came out and told us the backstory of what happened between Michael and the Robeson family and the safe chucks to a certain extent. And then, and it never got picked up. We caught the narrative then one, they Mm -hmm. don't, they don't want certain Jacksons to speak up. So we've got that too. They clearly don't want to hear from the black and brown people who were in Michael Jackson's life. Mm -hmm. Pretty much only gotten feedback from white men. You don't have to do all these interviews all over the place because they're not going to go viral in the way that we need them to. I think that time would be better spent setting up microphones 10 feet away, put that camera on a tripod across somebody's yard 
and figure it out. There, yeah, there's just I think bottom line we're saying here is we support we still support the essence of this effort, but think that there needs to be more produced for the people who are supporting it financially and in their uh, in their support online of you retweeting it, um, uh, encouraging people to, you know, at least check out what you have to say and what you're working on and maybe donate if they feel that they'd like to. So I think I think the end result is that we're saying more can and we in our opinion is more can and should be done right now. Right now. We under the pandemic. We we all know we're going to live with this thing for more than 2021, right? Everybody's aware of that. So I think, I hope at this point, you're aware that this is not the last year, but we are trying to turn the page on this thing and prevent people from contracting it. And then ultimately, obviously, the worst that could happen, preventing those deaths, that's still A1. And so obviously, when nobody is, so I don't, please do not at us talking about, well, people are dying, he's being safe. We absolutely understand that that safety is paramount first and foremost the most important thing but we also understand that the show is still going on and we're all struggling and learning to live inside of this i've been to a whole conference virtually at this point and so, so people I've done are not, several people are not you know we're not shutting down the we're, we're not going into a cocoon for the duration of this pandemic we're finding ways to safely live with this reality and i think he has to find a way to incorporate that fact into his efforts and that's all we're saying if again as i said earlier if you want to leave something nasty please do so after 12 p.m if you do it in the morning i will see it so and i don't like to start my day that way i meditate and i like to start it calm peacefully by 12 someone has done something and so i'll be prepared for your negativity but we're not not Knocking the essence and the passion behind it, but we are saying that there needs to be more produced to validate the continued uh, solicitation of financial support. That's what we're saying. Yeah, you know, all that. That's it. And you know, and that's exactly what I was about to say. User one point five. All these podcasts or web series that he's filming with uh, Blanket, I mean, BG and them on the side, like set that very same tripod up. And instead <laughs> of giving us Twitter fingers on this GoFundMe, like say this on camera, don't keep typing it up and posting these words. Say this on camera so we can see you. Yeah, another thing, um, GoFundMe's don't last forever. And if you don't, put out some something pretty soon they gonna snatch this money back it's really important to remember that gofundme does not play about cashing out on these fundraisers you have to prove that these funds are going to go to what you said it was going to go to and it's really important that you show updates to prove that so taj don't put this money that you've raised at risk again you're 29 percent to go hopefully by our next episode you'll be somewhere closer to 50%, if not more than that. But this needle really needs to move and we're going to hold you accountable. And I'll also say before I kick it to user 1.5, who wanted to say something, if you need us to help you, just let us know. Like I raised 50,000 on Twitter pretty easily in October, boo. Like if you need some help. And if you'd like to come on our show. 
Come on, we'll help you out. We got Come you. on, and we'd love to talk about it, and we'd love to to talk about other things other than this, but also to get a better understanding. Like uh, user two said, we don't know the whole story. To get a better understanding, maybe we're missing some pieces, but from what we can see, that's uh, uh, Molly, you're in danger, girl. We need some. We need it some. It look great. Doesn't look great. <laughs> all right, user 1.5. Well, I was just going to say, you know, we've all, at this point, I think most of us have watched that um, on Hulu, the Britney Spears New York Post Brandy documentary. Brandy. And that entire documentary was filmed in the pandemic. So maybe Taj needs to contact those people and ask them how they did it because the entire thing was d- filmed during the, d- the pandemic. Not only was it filmed during the pandemic, but it was released during the pandemic. And we all are running around with free Britney signs now. Yeah. So... Yeah. You gotta, know, there's not to mention like, the TV shows, not to mention Blackish has been back on. We gotta do it. We gotta have all of the housewives went back Tosh, to it. Maybe you have analysis paralysis. We would love to help you get yeah. past that. We've given you some um options here, some ideas, but you can always call us at 919. <laughs> 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 well, here's the thing he is a captive audience right now because a lot of people are still at home, a lot of Steve people are still perusing youtube netflix amazon prime whatever whatever streaming platform they have trying to find new content or new things to listen to or to watch so right now honestly this is when the iron is hot and he really needs to strike well he been had a cap audience because his last name is Jackson and he's a part of a very successful group with his brother so and it's like okay Taj just like like listen man just hit up our DMs we don't got all the answers but we're willing to shoot some things to you and say hey well how about this and we're willing to support you I will say this we are financially able and ready to support given honestly I have to see some things you know what I'm saying let's take Gorilla Glue Girl for example People got some felt some started feeling some sort of way because they donated all this money and then she got all the services for free, right? And so, like Ashley said, you know, GoFundMe will try to snatch it back if they don't feel that it's going to what you said it's going to go to or it's supporting that cause, right? So she had to turn around and then I think she said she gave she gave it to charity, right? So there wasn't this big problem, but I think the idea being that I think it's wonderful that you can crowdsource in this way, but I also think you owe it to that crowd you know, some sort of product, some sort of work product. And that's uh, not that, a PowerPoint. That PowerPoint teaser, man, listen. Bobby! Bobby! It's Bobby. Uh, that PowerPoint teaser is, um, I'm honest, I would have never even put that out, bro. I would have just rather had, let me make you something on Adobe and I barely know what I'm doing, but I can do that <laughs> for you. Um, just ask. And I think we're ready to start the show. Let's go michael jackson's blackest moments now let's be clear everything michael jackson did was black because he was a black ass individual black man michael jackson had several moments that were just blackity black 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 and so we're gonna walk through some of them a lot of them are hilarious and a lot of them are just historic moments that are important for black culture in general so user one's gonna be our host for this section and we're going to count down some of his top moments and see what you guys think. We are counting down very dramatically. Michael Jackson's top seven blackity, black, 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 blackest, most blackest of the black moments here on the Black Jackson State Podcast, starting at number seven, coming in clean. And let me say this too. If you think we missed something that actually was super black, 
because we definitely could have. And there's more than seven. Yeah, shoot us a message on Twitter. DM us. Matter of fact, just at us and say, hey, you missed one. We love this episode, but you missed one because this is certainly a blackity black moment. Top seven coming in at number seven. Michael Jackson's surprise marriage to Lisa Marie Presley. And the antics that followed. Let's the get it And All right, user 1.5. Let's talk about it. Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Presley got married in 1994. Mm-hmm. And that marriage came on the heels of some pretty tumultuous times for Michael, who was battling accusations that he was improper with children. He was, his world was in a whirlwind. Prior to that, the world did not even know he and Lisa Marie Presley were a thing, let alone a serious thing. He shows up one day talking about, I put a ring on it. Everybody got at least somebody in their family who showed up at the family. <laughs> who just year. show up with a new person and you like, who that? And, like, <laughs> and then have the audacity no to like, say what? you're married. Yeah, they have what? the audacity to say they're married. They say, this is my wifey. And you're like, who? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, at first I was trying to figure out why did we note this as a black moment until you said that piece. Because... <laughs> My cousins bring a different girl to every cookout when when we were outside and I could never keep up. And I I think that's a black man thing where they just literally they they, it's not even necessarily an introduction. They just slide her right on through, sit her with the cousins or the aunties so she can go ahead and get broken in. They either gonna roast her or they're gonna ask a bunch of questions. And, you know, Lisa Marie had to go through that. She definitely did. And and everybody remembers, like, this marriage took place in the Dominican Republic. So Michael went on. Michael had on his red shirt and a hat. I'm so No, he had on all black. Didn't he have on all black? (laughs) I think he did have on all black. And it was like, was the vowels in English or Spanish? I don't know. But he said C. C. Did he really? He said, I don't know. He said, yes. He said C in some language. It's video. C is definitely Spanish. How do you say, will you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? No. That's how you say it. No. Don't do it. They shouldn't have done it. Bad idea. (laughs) Why shouldn't they have done it? I think that the marriage is clearly one that a lot of fans still have a lot of feelings for. They're divorced. He's gone. But a lot of fans years later. Well, a lot of a lot of fans still have a lot of strong feelings about that marriage. I'm I don't know why. I don't know if they're like crossover fans because they also like Elvis. And so maybe that's like the you know, that's like the sweet spot of like those two icons meeting because Michael ends up marrying Elvis's daughter. But it's still a very like hot topic in the fan community. You still see these conversations about that marriage. And I don't know that I totally get it. I don't know. I think Michael really used that girl. I I do think they were in love, but I do also think uh, there was a bit of revenge there for, (laughs) for, (laughs) I was about to say niggas abroad, but it really was (laughs) um, him doing that for the culture because Michael was obsessed with how racist the operation was behind Elvis Presley. And I think there is a piece of him that wanted her as a trophy, as a aha. I got this white girl and her daddy is probably spinning in his grave. 
you know, some goofy shit like that. And unfortunately, in a lot of interracial relationships, that happens. Somebody is trying to prove something to their family or prove something to other people. And that does not make fertile ground for any relationship. So I think that was one of the negative aspects there. And he probably shouldn't have done that. You know what? I honestly think he was just trying to change the conversation. Well, and that too. He, he and he didn't though because if we remember, <laughs> this, if we remember this, no, he did right. No, this, no he didn't. This entire time. Okay, so once they got married and people got over the shock, which took about thirty seconds, because then we thought about it. And we were like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Then there was the and and people that were here during that era, and I remember some of this, even though, like, I was young, I remember some of this saying, oh, well, that's fake, that's not a real marriage, it's, it's, you know, because then, too, were the rumors that Michael Jackson was gay, and that he married her to make it, like, you know, to make it seem that he wasn't gay, and, I mean, it was just so many outrageous and ridiculous things that went along with it, and then 1994 pops around, or, I'm sorry, September 94 pops around, and he comes out to introduce or to open up the, the MTV VMAs, with Lisa Marie in tow and plants this kiss on her that I don't think she was prepared prepared for. She clearly didn't look like she was too prepared for it. Um, And it just went wild from there. From there, we got You Are Not Alone video when they were both semi-nude. We got the Diane Sawyer interview, which was not a good idea. We just have so many other things that kept the conversation going and for all of that, for him to say, oh, y'all thought this wouldn't last. Well, it didn't because they were divorced less than two years later. And he was on the Debbie. And oh, came. wow. You're right. I mean, let's never forget that was a back-to-back situation. Oh, God. Lisa Marie. Can we talk bless very, you. Can we talk very briefly about how Lisa Marie said that? <laughs> <laughs> And I, you know what, if I'm wrong here, but I've, I, I think I remember this right because it is exactly the content that the fan community wants. And that is the booty content <laughs> from Michael. What? And I believe, oh my God. We got a fanfic episode coming, y'all. We got to No, we do not. <laughs> we do. So, but did she not say, like, I think she said it to Rush, Rush Limbaugh, I think. Maybe, I don't know. May he rest in peace. May- <laughs> <laughs> but she I said that they had, demons. But she... Pre- <laughs> Devil, stay where you at. But didn't she say back in the day, like, that she and Mike had got it in and he, and like, listen, she was like, I'm not marrying anybody unless the sex is great. And any adult would say the same. I um, believe her that, like, first of all, because she ain't had no filter and she ain't got no reason to lie. I believe that. Yeah, I guess that's mm-hmm. fair. I, this whole moment can be deleted from existence, but God bless uh, Lisa Marie, wherever she is right now. So do we appreciate at least the, the MTV kiss was awkward. No. She looked awkward doing it, but can we appreciate uh, the was it her? Was it her looking awkward? Was, <laughs> it, was it her? Both of them. <laughs> Michael gave in all of his videos. She was a prop in that moment, and he was wrong for that. Um, because that was not, you know, you don't wait. Like, you can't use people as to your own ends, and that's 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 a whole nother podcast. But that that was a bad move. I think that it was a bad move, and she, Lisa Marie Presley got a little ride or die in her. You know, people are whispering, and you don't care. You're like, this is my man. She might be 
the ride or die of the 1990s because um, that's hard to do and to know that you are the la- you know that there's so much going on with that and to say but I love him he must have really been he mu- it must have been good I'm just gonna say that the dick was bomb it, it had to be because why else would you put up with this you know you really have to believe in someone to go through what she knew she would go through by publicly saying I love this man and I'm with him but can we at least appreciate the vulnerability and the intimacy that seemed very genuine between them in the you are not alone video yeah but it was gross <laughs> i know a when, lot of when you like say it, gross when you say gross because michael's rib cage like i don't nobody <laughs> <laughs> he too skinny is that what you know that just wasn't it just wasn't he had an I audi mean. and i thought that was really cute michael's always had an had audi, audi and it's okay yeah. when he rips his shirt but don't be out here butt ass naked trying to give me sex appeal with them ribs sticking out but <laughs> with wings on with the wings. If you're gonna have any wings, Water. please let them be fried and buffaloed. Don't but that, do that. I will say little blue cheese on the side. This was <laughs> the era where he fully transitioned to perm hair. Ooh, it would look nice. And nice. and I, I think that is like a subset of his blackest moments when he got that bob that um Ooh, that we that. bob in the You Are yeah. Not Alone. We with love the ba- with the long bangs. I like yeah. that. What do you call that user 1.5? What is that? Uh, That would be uh, a grown out pixie. It's not quite a bob. But what I will say, his hair was really amazing during this era. Uh, The 1995 VMAs. I think that's my favorite hair look on Michael because he had a little crimp in it. He did a little he braided it and took the braids out or something before he went on. You love that. And it was it was really cute. He was really cute. Lisa Marie was also there for that sitting next to Janet. So. Uh, let's not is this hair it. one of our top five Michael hair moments? This era, this little piece yes. of time. His oh, hair yeah. looked great. It, it looked looked always great. looked done. It always looked combed. Yeah. <laughs> not always looked done and it, combed. It was, <laughs> Are you saying that there were times when it? There were many times. Was it done he needed to throw. He needed to call Jermaine. Get <laughs> stop. Get get stop. that uh, rap or oh okay. He needed to get that rap rag, get that. Um, Michael wasn't rapping shit. He wasn't. Well, he, <laughs> he, he needed to get a scarf. I think he had a bonnet. I do, he needed I a bonnet. Seen him yeah. in a bonnet before. If he could step outside looking like he was from the Middle East, he could put a bonnet on and run outside at the same time. I know for sure he had a bonnet, but I don't think he was consistent in wearing it. Did you got to throw it sleep on. Or was he only wearing it like a shower cap? Like we, these are questions we need answered because if he didn't, we need wear, to ask Latoya. We need to ask Elizabeth to wait a minute. Honey. <laughs> not the dame. Not the yeah, dame. We're not I wasn't even trying board. to be <laughs> I wasn't we even need to hit up Latoya because Latoya. I wasn't said trying to be shady. To... I just re- realized in the moment that she's gone on to And Latoya. she wouldn't know. She wouldn't know. She wouldn't know. Latoya said she used to grease their scalps and she was the one that used to cornrow their hair so their froze would be big and and fluffy. What did people use to grease scat back in the um, 60s? Grease. Was it that blue magic? It was, she that, said it was a, yeah, it was just regular grease. Yeah, but, but no, don't say yet regular grease because we make our own moisturizers What's now. What's the like, red grease? That's what I'm saying. What did they use back in the day? There was a green grease. There was a green grease. Oh. What's that called? Ooh, I know Iso Plus about. or something. No, it was in a red thing and it had like a little I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it came with a silver top. And the, yep. the the packaging didn't feel real sturdy. It felt almost like cardboard that they slapped some some But it was industrial. Yeah, but it like it laid everything like it was just shiny and slick. What and, is that? Heavy. What was they using? The the grease is called 
royal crown hairdressing. That's that it. sounds like some shit, mm-hmm. eh, Catherine Jackson? I'm about house. to send it to y'all so y'all can see it. I need that. I do need that. That's that seems right to me, and it also so it's funny. The other day I saw on Twitter a picture of Michael back in the day with a stocking cap on his head and some noxzema on his face, and um. <laughs> I thought to myself, that's so black, right? But you know, first of all, we would never want that picture to see the light of day. I I remember seeing that as a teenager and saying, Ooh, thank God I'm not out here. Ooh, because you're on my own. Because listen, don't put my Noxima stocking cap pictures on the internet. And that was when Michael was really going through it with the acne. He did not like it. What he did Mm -hmm. not know is that Noxima a lot of times makes your face worse. Doesn't but it? that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother. Uh, ooh, Noxzema was. No, Noxzema's not good for you. Noxzema. Noxzema. It's and one we, of those products that we have to like not continue to use. Wow. We know. will be back with your dermatological uh, <laughs> on the next episode. <laughs> but listen, listen. So, super black moment, marrying somebody and not telling nobody into the cookout. That's just something that black people seem to do. White folks, let us know if y'all do that too, because it might not be so black after all. But we're moving on to number six on our list. Michael Jackson's blackity black, black, super black, blackest of the black moments is the video for Remember the Time, which featured an all-black cast situated in Africa. Giving some shine to our ancestors and brothers and sisters over we don't the even seas. know where. He just picked a Wakanda. He wanted to be <laughs> Egypt. You know, good as well. He wanted it to be Egypt. Yeah, Egypt. definitely. It was Egypt. We're going to go with the 25th Dynasty because that's the Kush Dynasty. So we're going to run with that. Okay. But how black was that to just have the super black cast? You had Eddie Murphy, who got to recreate his role essentially as an African prince or king. And we had a superstar, a supermodel in Iman come through. We had John Singleton directing. I mean, Michael really had an idea of saying, I'm not going to allow people to be treated some way simply because they're going through something. Magic Johnson contracted HIV right around. Well, I wonder how close it was to the filming of this. Let's see if we can put some things together because he didn't come out with this until 1991. So w- around what time did Michael do Remember the Time video? Like shortly that, after that. That was right? 92. 1992. Yeah, yes. right after that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, that was a pretty big deal for him to cast him in that. Also, um, Eddie Murphy and Iman as mm-hmm. your king and queen. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Tiny Liston, may he rest in peace. We mm-hmm. lost him last year. Mm-hmm. Um, lovingly known as Debo from Friday. Debo. He's Regina King's in it. Regina King. Yeah. I mean, you got, I mean. Lisa Ray is one of the dancers Lisa Ray. Is she? Yes. I didn't see that. Where's Lisa she Ray, at? Lisa Ray has. What row? I don't know which row. <laughs> but row? just, but she, she's, <laughs> she's got braids and a ponytail. Just put me in there at the back. I'm just going to be freestyling. Um, you can cut me out later, but just let me be in the video. 
My favorite part of that video is when Eddie Murphy looks at at, at the uh, Michael in the shrouded kind of thing, and he's like, "What is it you're going to do?" And then he disappears, and everybody's like, "Oh, snap!" And Mom's like, "Okay." <laughs> Let me tell you something. Whenever somebody rolls up on you with their toes out, they did not come to play with you. And did have on flip flops and a robe. You need to be really careful because they didn't even put their toes away. So they are not to be messed with. That's just a general rule of life. So if you're ever in a situation when someone squares up and wants to fight you and they have on flip flops, you should probably try to get out of this scenario really quickly because they're probably going to beat you. Yeah, Michael Jackson never really beat anybody's ass in a short film, but he would spin his way out. He would morph (laughs) his way out. Or yeah. he would shoot his way out. Right. Somehow, some way they are gonna defeat you. Yeah. So just deal with that and and try to try to try to not embarrass yourself. Remember the time is so black because it really took and I remember John Singleton, or I would not remember, but he said in an interview that he was happy that it was an all black experience. Um, and you can only imagine if even if, if anyone works in an all black workspace, so people who are not people of color can't understand this, working in spaces where you are the minority and it's very clear you are um I remember one of my mentors said that you know we can't we can never go to work and be fully ourselves um in the way that others can we have to hide a piece of it but and some of that comes from people not understanding who we are and where we come from or people having preconceived notions or prejudices about who we are and how we're going to be but when you can walk into work and then it really reflects reality or reflects your community that's a whole nother feeling I can imagine everybody on that set really feeling at home and, you know, supported and that their creativity was not going to be judged as ghetto or just in the in the in the uh, pop is popular right now, but really judged as um, uh, a contribution and creative. And that's that's lovely. Like, how how do you all think Michael felt making that conscious decision this is about to be or do you think that that was a collaborative sort of decision between him and John Singleton I think we can find the answer to that I want to say it was Michael's idea and everybody bought into it but I honestly haven't viewed enough sources on it what I will say is I think um, recently there was an article that went around about one of the dancers who I believe somebody wanted her to change her hair and Michael said no I want to say she had micros or she had some kind of braids. And at first they were like, nah, that's not a part of the look. And she was like, well, I don't want to take them out. And Michael thought it was beautiful. And I don't know if that was when he decided that should be the look. Like everybody should have that look or what. But just knowing it's something about working around when you're black and you're surrounded by black people in your workplace. And I'm sure other uh groups can relate to this is something about knowing you're not going to be microaggressed. We deal with a million little microaggressions every day in our workspaces from any and everybody. And you just don't have to deal with that when you're surrounded by your people. And that's why uh, folks choose to go to HBCUs or um, whatever, And I think this was one of those HBCU experiences that you get in your life where you're just with a talented group of people at the top of their game. And these are folks who didn't always get the opportunities that they deserve. We just talked about Magic Johnson turning his career around. He retired and was just returning back to the NBA to work 
to go, to play in the all-star game. Iman's at the top of her game as a model. This is around the time she's marrying David Bowie. So I know he was in the wing shaking, watching Michael tongue down his baby Ooh, girl. Because Michael put a little tongue in it. Listen, can we talk about the really Black moment within this Black moment, which is that Pharaoh had that Michael did not want to wear? He did not want to wear that thing. Oh, he, I haven't heard this story. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so but Michael Bush uh, in his book... Uh, about Michael's clothing talks about the remember the time video and with that entire get out that he had of course Michael had his Levi's on because that was what he that was those were his dress pants and black Levi's he had a pharaoh hat that was made to go on Michael's head while he was singing and dancing and performing in front of Iman and Eddie Murphy and he when he showed it to Michael he knew Michael didn't like it But Michael didn't want to say, I don't want to wear it. I don't like it. So conveniently, just before they got ready to shoot, the hat goes missing. Nobody can find it. Come to find out, Michael hid the hat so he didn't have to wear it for the video shoot. That is so on fucking brand for that guy. (laughs) Jesus Christ. But you know- Dennis Tompkins. That's the other designer's name. I'm so sorry. Dennis Tompkins is no longer with us. Uh, Michael Bush and Dennis Tompkins. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No problem. One thing I keep trying to think about is how sensitive Michael's head was. I've been trying to reframe his hair moments and certain decisions that he made based off of his Pepsi injury. And maybe it would have hurt. Like, I know he wore fedoras and shit like that. And I also know he was really particular about his hair. So I can imagine that that probably gave him a little bit of anxiety. He was particular about his hair in that video? No, ma'am. That was not a fresh blowout. That was not an AJ Styles blowout. His hair looked great. That was, uh, it's a little bit dirty, but I'm going to go out anywhere hairstyle. Come on now. You know some grease or something up in there from two days ago. And he was like, you know what? We're just going to put a little curl at the end. I can go on about our business. What I will say is his hair was the straightest hair in the whole video. Everybody else had their natural going, their braids mm-hmm. going. I loved it. Michael loved said, um, I'll take a relaxer, please. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I mean, braids ain't natural. Them braids, that ain't your hair. No, I mean natural as in like a natural style, like not no heat added, no, you know, straightening of the hair. How y'all know won't no uh won't no heat added to nobody else's hair? From the from what it looks like, this is from my professional opinion. Everybody, you else don't need to say natural that. Natural hairstyles. Everybody else did have natural hairstyles. Well, let I me like... tell you this. Let me tell you this. His hair looked wonderful. I think it looked good. I don't it, think looked it looked bad. wonderful. It's on a fresh blowout. That's all I'm saying. It looked <laughs> wonderful. Chin was chiseled. Nose was on fleek. Eyebrows Y'all, arched. What? I just googled. Remember the time cast and. Uh-huh. Wiley Draper popped up. He's in the video? Huh? I thought he was dead. I thought he died by the time they filmed. Yeah, he died a year after. Oh, wait, no. The Jackson's American Dream was in 92, and he died. He's in there. So, yeah. Where? I don't know. He's in the video. At least that's what Google is saying. Uh, That video is... There's a lot of niggas in that video. Can you imagine how angry the majority was at that? Oh, I ain't gotta do that. I just gotta be in Africa. You, you know, know what's wild? People were criticizing Michael heavily because his skin color had changed within the last five years and he hadn't addressed it at that point. I think the Oprah interview was around this time. And people were picking up 
as many opportunities as they could to pick on him. And I think it's really interesting that in this video that was really pro-Black, I don't remember there being a ton of dialogue about it. Of course, I think we were in kindergarten, so... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't really have a vivid Babies! I don't think they were either. I think they... I'm pretty sure they did. I'm thinking about how there was commentary about they don't care about us, which probably should be a hashtag on number six, because that was a super Black moment for Michael. I'm thinking about commentary that was very uh, nasty, saying... um, a picture Michael Jackson talking about the plight of the black man. So I imagine that maybe some similar things were happening in this era, uh, but maybe not because this was more easy to accept. They don't care about us was certainly an uh, indictment of the system. Um, And so that brings out different emotions versus singing about Egypt being beautiful and a beautiful period in human history. That's very different, right? One is going to snap back at the judicial system in America and in various parts of the world. The other is just a nice dance video with supermodels and A-list Black megastar directors and actors. So but I imagine something was said, but I don't, I can't put my finger on something particular. They might have been more wrapped up in the all star casts and everything that was happening in this one. Maybe. You know. Yeah. And I, while I'm looking at pictures of it, um, the story I was telling y'all about, about the girl who had the braids and he said it was cool to keep them. I do see now how that may have stuck out to maybe John Singleton or whoever else was doing costuming because everybody else had on a headpiece of some sort. So they probably just had to make Shorty something unique. And I'll put her story in the notes. Uh, But yeah, while I'm looking at the video, literally everybody else had on a headpiece except for one Michael J. Jackson. Um, But I mean, again, if I had a relaxer that fell out like that, and if if user one, if user 1.5 is right, and this is like day two or three of this hairstyle, I'm not going to wear a hat. I'm going to mm-hmm. let it fly. So I think mm-hmm. this is a great moment for Michael. You clock in with that hair. Yeah, I'll clock in with that. Clock in with that hair. I mean, and let me I'll also say... I'll go get that. a new driver's license with that hair. Go get... Uh, hello? But this was one of the videos everybody loved. We would put this one on and open the doors up and people would be dancing. It's just like such an iconic song and video. Everyone loves it. Anybody, there's no, you've never heard someone say, I really hate that video or that song. It is one of the most, we all agree songs that he's ever done and videos he's ever done. Everybody loves it. And it just really speaks to his ability to create. So super black. We loved it. One of his blackest, blackity black, black on black, black squared, Moments. We are moving on to number five on our list of Michael Jackson's blackest moments, and that is the Tupac tussle. Allegedly. Mm. Allegedly. <laughs> I just think that's clever. Tupac tussle. I, I'm, the <laughs> I like it. I wrote it. it down. The Lord gave it to me, and I just, it makes me chuckle. Even so now. this is a story that a lot of people in the fan community have heard of, and maybe some of you have not, and that is that Michael Jackson almost got into a fight, a fist fight, y'all, close fist fight, with Tupac Shakur 
back in the 90s. Use a 1.5. This is the first time you're hearing about this. And you watched the video with yeah, Boo Capone. Yeah, you watched the video with Boo Capone where he talks about... So Boo Capone, I'm going to kick it to user two. But Boo Capone uh, was a child actor. Correct? Um, that was in multiple <laughs> different... <laughs> That was yeah, in a hood nigga in LA who used to He did some he shows. He did some cameo. Remember he talked about Gary Coleman? Mm. I don't remember that. You don't remember the part he talked about Gary Coleman? Okay, wait, anyway. So anyway, so he talks about his experiences in Hollywood. He has seen black Hollywood. He and told some wild stories. He told some wild stories. The Tupac story is one, but honorable mention for him is the story about Joe Jackson fighting bubbles. And uh-huh. he was there yep. when he it happened. He talks about that. He talks and, about that. Oh and that's God. not the first time I heard that, that Joe and that fucking monkey always had a problem to the point where Joe went and got his pistol. Wow. <laughs> and was about to cap him. Oh, Imagine a dead monkey at Havenhurst. Like, what are we going to do with that? Michael didn't even have bubbles at Havenhurst, did he? Yes. He did. Yes, he did. That's where he that was. He took him on the Remember, he took he take him on the was it the victory no, tour? No, he went on the bad tour. That's why I was like, was, but that was 87 now. So I guess you're right. Because yeah. he yeah, didn't he buy Neverland until 88. Yeah. He no, that was Jermaine who took who took the, the the damn lion or tiger or something on the victory tour. That's what that was. Oh God. Yeah. I don't Are even you serious? Get I didn't even know that. Know. Yeah. Well, he talked uh, about it in his book. Let's not revisit that. that. Guys, go check out, go check out our Jermaine Jackson two-parter. It is extremely informative. We talk about doobie raps and we also talk about how you should not throw your siblings under the bus publicly because the bus may run over you instead of them. And there are lessons inside of that. But anyway, so we're talking about the Tupac tussle. And yeah. we're talking about Michael Jackson allegedly getting into a fight with Tupac, the legendary, only God can judge me, America's <laughs> most wanted, <laughs> dear mama. Okay, if you don't know what I'm talking about right now, you need to cut the podcast because you are not my people. And you need to go educate yourself really quickly and then you can be my people. Tupac Shakur, um, legendary rapper who was gunned down in what, 96? Was that 96, 97? Mm-hmm. 96. Um, and <laughs> Tupac allegedly was dating uh, Quincy Jones's daughter. He has They were engaged. They were Kedada. engaged. <laughs> uh, Quincy Jones has several children, two okay. of which Break it down. are Rashida Jones, who was on The Office, um, she also used to be on Chappelle Show. She's on Black AF, which is on Netflix right now. Rashida has uh, a very vast career, spanned a couple decades. She's always in somebody's comedy. Pretty funny girl. Kadada. She looks like her sister a little bit. That That is correct. Now, she mm-hmm. and Kadada, um, I think Kadada is older than her. I'm looking um, at, so Rashida's 45. Okay. And Kidada is 46. Okay. So Kidada, and these are with Quincy Jones, one of his wife's, uh, Peggy Lipton. Peggy I Lipton. Oh. And um, the, the, the T, the T heirs. Yes. <laughs> Peggy yes. Lipton Ice T, as Boo called them. Yeah, if you watch that, his, <laughs> if you watch his interview on that podcast, then you'll know what, what that You've seen, Ashley's seen it. 
I've definitely and seen also, it. I was telling the the people this thing. Oh, the people need that. Are we gonna link it for them so it's they can the see it? Please do because I want to know if y'all are as confused as I was at first about three it's, four minutes. It's a lot. What's to take an in. hour long? Again, it's a lot to take in. Boo is very much a dude from the hood, and he just so happened to seen a lot of wild shit, and it, it's his storytelling was phenomenal. Getting back to this, uh, Kidada is Quincy's daughter who um, she was not an actress. She was more into fashion. Aaliyah was her best friend. And uh, she also worked a lot on Vibe magazine styling people. She was essentially a stylist. And I believe she still does that to this day. But um, at some point, the the story of Kadada and Tupac is like full of drama and adding Michael to it is just really it sounds true because the way they came together was off some hostile shit so Tupac was quoted talking shit about Quincy Jones because he assumed Quincy Jones had a preference for white women and he was essentially saying he didn't have any respect for Quincy Jones because he married outside of his race uh, only had mixed children has no respect for black people left black people behind a bunch of crazy stuff. When Tupac said all of that, Kidada and Rashida saw it. And Rashida wrote a l- open letter to Tupac. And I can't remember where it was published, but we'll link it in the show notes. And uh, basically called Tupac out for being disrespectful. And, and she pointed out all of the very important accomplishments that Quincy Jones uh, had up to that point and how those reflected on the black community and how uh, his contribution to black culture is very important and uh, that is not to be disputed and so after that Tupac uh, essentially saw the light and apologized and when he met Rashida and Kadada he ended up falling in love with Kadada and very shortly after they were kicking it uh, he was engaged to her and she was with him the night that he died, she stayed in, in the hotel and he went out to a party with Suge Knight after um, the boxing match. Uh, it was Tyson and somebody boxing that night. Rashida ends up in a relationship with Tupac. And I think the story Boo tells, they had a cookout somewhere. Is the cookout at Quincy's house? Where Where did this altercation happen? I don't remember that part. No, he said it was at some kind of ballroom. It was at, no, no, he said it was at uh, Peggy Lumpton's house because he said she lived near Michael Jordan. Yeah, I thought he said it was like a. So yeah, he said it was like a cookout or some situation. Yeah, it was a cookout situation, and Kadita was sitting on Michael's lap. Kadita, 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 Kamala, Kamala. You see, Kamala. Mm -hmm. It's Kamala. I know that it's Kamala because you educated me. How do you say the other girl's name? How do you say (laughs) Kadita? Like. Like Kadada. Like Kadada. Okay. All right. So he, Kadada was sitting on Michael's lap. Kadada, listen, if y'all know these people, tell them come hang out with us for real. So Michael, Kadada's so Kadada, Kadada is sitting on Michael's lap. So we need her to clear this up. So you got it. You got this story out there. It is like legendary at this point in the fan community because we think it is so out of character for Michael, but we also believe it to be absolutely true. So Kadada sitting on Michael's lap. And it's very uh, familial, right? Like uh, uncle and niece, right? Very much so a relationship that has existed and is not in any way um, intimate or romantic in a, you know, in that sort of way. So Pac comes through to this event and sees 
Kadada sitting on Michael's lap and is upset because at this time, as user two has said, they are a thing. They are engaged. And so he's offended as a lot of men would do. But now this is a thug nigga. And so that's a whole nother level of offense. You don't know what he's got in his pockets. Okay. And so he sees this, he rolls upon Michael. And according, <laughs> according to the story, according to Boo Capone, Michael and Kadada are Michael. Kadada is between Michael and Tupac. And they're both kind of pulling at her and having like this moment. They get her out of the way and they square up. It's really hard for me to believe Michael actually. <laughs> and they, and like, no, at least they're in each other's face. And the, the story goes that Pac swings on Mike, Mike ducks. Mike smacks him back with a little, a little jab. Ain't and- no way. <laughs> you try, ain't no fucking way. I now, was in no mind, way. Now, now, listen, no, 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 no. That's not fair. How tall is Tupac? That's what's going to answer this. <laughs> How fucking tall is Tupac? Because if they're the same height... <laughs> I do believe they probably, I do believe I they're probably the same right. weight. But it's hard for me to believe that Michael ducked. My, you know, because that's quick. That sounds like he ducked from Joseph. If you can believe he ducked from Joseph, yeah, you can believe he ducked he from Pop. there with Joseph and he, he was If you can believe A, you can believe B. And ducking from these fans, that I can see, girl. <laughs> I can see that. Okay, 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 okay. We got to answer. Tupac is 5'9". Oh, he, they the same height. What, Michael 5'11"? I thought no. Michael was 5'10". Yeah, Michael 5'9", five, 5'10", five, yeah. They might have squared up real quick, face to face. I, I, oh, my God, they're both 5'9". Boo, baby. So okay, story wait, goes, this is a fair fight. This all is right, so the story fight. goes that Michael and Tupac are like in each other's face. You know what that looks like. So everybody, every black person knows what this looks like when dudes are like in each other's face. You're like, well, who gonna hit who first? It's okay? not hard to find video of Tupac doing this. This is not hard, any right? And everybody. So Pac swings, Mike ducks, Mike smacks him a little, gets him with the closed fist, apparently. Mm. Pac... Pac, you know this is true. Pac knees Mike and grabs him over the back. They hit the ground. It's a little tussle. He says, it's not a fight. It's just a little tussle. People come break it up. They have their moment. They, the, <laughs> this the is ex- so hard. Ex- <laughs> it's easy. It's very I'm easy. Why the to fuck? Just, <laughs> but Tupac was wild. Like he, yeah, did that makes perfect sense. Did that. Yeah, and, and let's remember that he. This was right around the time of Poetic Justice, and Tupac had started some nasty rumors about Janet too. Mm-hmm. Saying that I'm Janet was requiring saying. him to have HIV tests that he literally was never asked to do. No, so, and we know that that's a lie. Yeah, we know that was a lie. But John Singleton helped. Me make that shit up so you mm-hmm. know may he rest in peace but that was fucked up mm-hmm. um so i'm sure there's a lot swirling mm-hmm. around there. and tupac didn't have nice things to say about michael around that time too i think when he was uh dragging quincy he was dragging michael as well so i can see how all of this like a sub drag like he's dragging quincy but in turn also dragging michael well you know anytime but he rap- didn't say his name i don't think he did it was a lot of rappers who talked up who talked about Michael selling out. It was a Michael Whitney Prince our sellout moment. Um, and that was like a 91, 92 situation. Maybe 90, 91, 92. That era, that was really heavy. Like them three are sellouts. And they only catered to white audiences, which was just not true. And Tupac, for all of his wisdom, uh, a lot of times was 
a, a goofy hothead who didn't have all of the information that he thought he had. And so um, the fact that he ended up with Kadada the way that he did is proof of that. But yeah, this is a, a really wild story. We cannot confirm <laughs> or deny it, but it sounds like it's a fair fight. Both of them are five. Sounds nine. like a fair fight. They're yeah. in the same. He- they're in the same heavyweight division. In the same weight class. There's yeah. Plenty of yeah. videos of Tupac fighting literally anybody for saying anything that made him feel mm-hmm. some type of way. So can, uh, can I say? So I, can I say something as somebody who it was is just hearing this story today for the first time? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I would just like to say to the listeners, you know, I am a huge Michael Jackson fan. I was not that deep in the Michael Jackson fan community prior to about a year ago. Okay. This podcast, a lot of the things we talk about on this podcast and doing research for these shows, I find out as I'm doing the research or as I'm reading the show notes. Okay. Because a lot of these things I haven't heard before. So this is my first time hearing this. And I literally feel like, first of all, let me just say, I feel in my soul that this is the truth. Okay, that Michael and Tupac rolled up on each other because Michael, at the end of the day, grew up in the house with Joe Jackson and was from Gary, Indiana with Alden Brothers. I'm sure he can throw some hands if he needs to. However, I feel the way that a lot of people feel when they sit in somewhere and having a nice, peaceful gathering and then two niggas just start fighting and you just sitting there like, why are we doing this? That's how I feel right now listening to this story. Because it's just so unnecessary. It's just what are, what are we doing? Why why are Michael and Tupac tussling over Quincy Jones's daughter? It was a misunderstanding. What is and happening? What well, was a misunderstanding? And the, at the end, the, so here's the here's the happy ending to the story. They tussled it out on the ground. People separated them, and Pac got the story about listen. This is just like her uncle. She's known him her whole life, bro. Like, it's nothing like that. It's no disrespect to you. And they they dapped it up, and it was over. And um, I, I'd like to believe this story is actually real. And Boo Capone said that he got some evidence. He's got, he's got corroborating witnesses to this to this story. So we're going to, it makes our list. Michael Jackson, blackest moments coming in at number five, the Tupac tussle. Yeah, that's definitely a black moment from start to finish. That was a black tussle. That's how it mm-hmm. happens. Just a little bit. Yo, 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 what you doing, dude? Oh man, I thought you said something. No, I didn't say nothing. All right, we cool then. And then we go back and eat our fish plate. That is yeah. so black. Can I what say this has literally story? happened to me before? <laughs> who you getting a fight with? It, there was a guy. I was at a thing. Oh God, Ashley! <laughs> this guy, <laughs> this guy who, uh, this thing. Actually, it was my ex at the time. He had a thing. One of his friends I was cool with pulled me onto his lap. This was very different. I'm sure Kadada sat there by her own choosing. I didn't, and I was trying to get up, and he wouldn't let me. And by the time. My nigga saw him and they decided to fight. But here's the thing. My guy, like Michael, was probably like 5'9". This guy was like 6'2". So, you know, that's not a fair fight at all. He almost got his head knocked off, which is why he went and got a weapon. But mm-hmm. I have definitely... <laughs> I'm just like imagining this shit. Like, this is some wild shit. Not right? a weapon. Yeah, Listen... 
and they pulling her back and forth. That I, that shit is not fun, and it's nothing you could do. They pulling her back and forth like the girl is mine, which makes me go. <laughs> Mike should have used Pac. Oh my god! In a remix to this it's song with Paul much. McCartney, it's just too much. But that's a whole nother thing. He couldn't because okay. by that point he already had Biggie stuff on deck. You can't you can't cross. Oh yeah, over East like Coast that. West Coast. Yeah, no, you can't do that. And you know, but Michael being a West Coast, and so Boo also claims that Michael was a crib. So <laughs> okay, and there we need to cut. What's the so next? There's that. Yeah, we're gonna move on now. But we're gonna move on. Okay, so the Tupac Tussle baby. comes in at number five, a strong number five. We're moving on to number four, which is the feud Michael Jackson had with Tommy Matola and Sony. And the reason it gets the list for the blackest moment is because Michael did something only black people would do. He found Al Sharpton first. He called Al Sharpton. <laughs> When you know so that thing. makes it super it, black, you call it doesn't out. get blacker than that. You does call out Sharpton to come stand next I know, to you. I know okay. Ashley probably has. Talk I know about I it. have. I don't know. Use at one point if you've seen Al Sharpton in person. Oh, many times. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know you've seen it many times. Use at one point five. Have you? I have not, but I imagine him to be a short man. Yes, he is. He is short, but he is an orator of the highest regard. Oh, I believe it. Very much. So let me go ahead and give him his props right now. I went into a program listening to him, thinking that it was going to be all the things that the media kind of feeds you about him, but it was not. Okay, and he is super impressive. He is super consequential to the black community when he speaks. People listen. So let me just say that and put that to the side. So Michael bringing him on. People are going to listen, period. And And it's very black. It's very black. And let's talk about the circle of life with their relationship. Al Sharpton and Michael Jackson first come into contact when Al Sharpton is criticizing the price of the Victory Tour tickets. Al Sharpton is the majority of the reason why Michael gave his money away to charity because Al Sharpton's argument in the 1980s was that these prices are exorbitant at $30 a pop. Uh, People are struggling and they cannot afford these tickets. And the Jackson's argument was we're putting on a really big show and we have to pay for it. The compromise is Michael's going to give up his salary because he's already rich as fuck. And so their relationship starts off in controversy and Al Sharpton evolves into a larger and larger figure. Then he becomes a staple that to this day, when some shit pops off in the black community, Al Sharpton will either be there within 48 hours or he will uh, drop in in some form. He's going to dedicate resources, whether they're digital or if he physically um, is, provides his presence or if he's fundraising. So um, at this point in Michael's career, Al Sharpton is firmly established in that bucket. So attaching him to this Sony tirade makes it more than just an artist having a pity party. No, I agree with that 100%. It's not just Michael complaining about, you know, I think it was easy for people to try to say, Michael's complaining because this album is not as big as his prior albums, right? And he needs to just accept that he's a 40-year-old man and he is not the pop um, moment. He might be the king of pop, but he's not the pop moment because he's older now, right? And there are younger people who, yeah, know who he is, but there are younger acts that are out and dominating the charts. That really wasn't it. Michael was trying to really bring 
his grievances to the table. What I thought was interesting was that no one was going to listen to him because still uh, the grievances were attached to someone who had sold millions of records around the world at a time when record sales were plummeting because we were all stealing music or they y'all were stealing music. I was minding my business, but people were stealing music at this time. And so record sales were tumbling, tumbling, tumbling. And Michael was still sell- selling. He still at that point had sold, what did he sell? Like 10 million around the world? Something that some people never achieve as solo artists. And so I don't think anyone was going to take him seriously, but the substance of what he was saying, he looked like a complainer, but the substance of what he was saying was actually correct. Um, But it was not going to be picked up in that way because of who was delivering the message. Um, And especially since the message was being delivered now in a way that he had not delivered when things were great for him. Um, We didn't get him talking about the plight of artists on record in the 80s or the 90s. We got it really after... Um, he becomes this infamous sort of figure uh, that's also still extremely very famous, but has this uh, blemish on his record or a couple of them, you know, and then we get that. So he's not someone who has been championing this idea for a long time. So it's a a very awkward time, but he does uh, decide to take his message on the road about Tommy Mottola (laughs) Uh, there are cardboard <laughs> signs um, that no, say that Tommy Mottola is the devil. Is the devil. And there, he says he's a very, very devilish. He outs some of the conversations that I'm, I assume were very private between himself and Tommy Mottola's ex-wife or at the wife at the time that all of the stuff was going down, who was Mariah Carey. Uh, he, he outs some of that conversation. Uh, which is very black. Black people cannot keep confidential information confidential. Some. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Michael was, some of the things he did where, damn, I Mariah told you that shit on the low, bruh, on mm-hmm. some, I can trust you black man shit, and your mm-hmm. ass gonna use it to your benefit. Yeah, you ain't gotta do that. In mm-hmm. front of people. But can we frame that moment Though I think mentioning Mariah at that point, breaking away from Tommy Mottola, being in fear of this man, trying to take her career to another place and having to deal with physical threats from him. Michael's getting threats from Tommy Mottola about the capacity of his music and the fact that they don't want to give him any more money towards his project. To use a 1.5's point earlier about framing Britney, everything that we are unpacking about Britney is happening now. So this is the the level of celebrity culture where they could not advocate for themselves. And Michael has to attach a civil rights icon to be taken any types of seriously about the claims that he's making. And I think it's really important to call out that he understood the cycle he was in and he was actively calling out for help. And the media ignored it. Michael literally said in his Harlem speech, the story is usually the same. These guys worked really hard at their craft. They are usually broken, torn, and usually just sad because the companies take advantage of them. And we just thought he was walking around with the Sony signs wiling out. But that ultimately, that was what his demise was. And I think this is one of those times where he really tried to advocate for himself the best way he knew how. And it did not work out. 
Yeah, I mean, in that speech, too, he talks about how artists have to work um, and, and they have to tour. They won't have money um, because the, the record companies have taken all the money. I mean, he says some really substantive things in the speech in Harlem, which, again, he went to like one of the blackest places he could find to make this speech. But then he attacks Tommy Mottola personally. And, and Al Sharpton has said, you know, I don't know nothing about him being racist. You know, when Michael, like, kind of almost out of nowhere says that, you know, he's 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 racist. And, you know, Al Sharpton's face, if you watch the footage, Al Sharpton's kind of like, oh, <laughs> you know, that look that you're like, Ooh. Yeah, and Michael you know? in the speech says, don't take this, please. And he says, you know what, I, fuck it. <laughs> right, and he's like, go ahead and tape it anyway. I'm, I'm going to give you a minute to get your tape roll, you know, tape going. Like, it's, it's, it's this, he starts attacking Tommy Mottola. And, and at this point, I mean, I guess we know Tommy Mottola as Mariah Carey's, at this point, at this time, ex-husband. But, you know, record executives, for the most part, have never really been at the forefront of anything, you know. Uh, Clive Davis might be the most famous one that we can think of, L.A. Reid or or Babyface uh, as producers, but but record executives weren't really household names, and so I I, I could I could imagine that for a lot of people, Michael saying Tommy Mottola and then saying he's racist, so, you know Mariah Carey's scared of him. It almost was probably, you know, confusing. Like who is this man? And and why are we talking about him? I thought we were talking about Sony. You know, it it, it could have been that could have been off putting. But yeah, he went on a campaign uh, with signs, holding up signs. I think they put little devil horns on Tommy Matola's uh, a cutout of Tommy Matola's face at one point. And Michael he held, held it up straight arm, Just held it up straight <laughs> arm. I think he was smiling as well. And he was yeah. smiling. His hair yeah. looked good there. I, I will. I just. I just want to say this. It was. It was a moment that we didn't need, but it exists. I think we needed it. I don't think we needed it for the reasons you already said. Like Mariah Carey gave him that information and confidence, right. and then he goes and puts it out there talking about. She came to me crying. She was crying so badly I had to hold her. She said to me, this is an evil man. <laughs> are you talking about just that piece? Or are you talking about the whole campaign? I'm, I'm, ta- I'm talking about how that... Yeah, I'm talking about... I'm talking about, I'm talking about how that taints it. And beyond that, I think the tainting part is the idea that it's not until uh, the end the latter part of your career that you make these accusations or try to bring to the forefront uh, publicly the issues in the music industry regarding artists and artists of color. I think that when you cumulatively add it up, not the best, not that what he's saying is wrong, but it's not, again, not going to be received you know what? You probably should have been doing this every year, especially if you really wanted to beat Sony. And if you've got the theory that they killed him, uh, this would make you want to. Because he really went from London to Harlem with this shit. He really did. And they, they Sony, Sony's not stupid uh, regarding his impact in, across the world and how him speaking is the ultimate megaphone in music. And so the 
the potential of him exposing the things that they would rather not have exposed. You know, there's still a business and there are things that are not pretty about it. And so to have the number one artist of all time who still commands a very strong following, very strong following, out you. And, you know, he talks about, you know, they're mad because I own them (laughs) and I'm walking away. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm free, <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> and you know so I mean there's all of that but yeah he I, I think that that was not the moment for him to deliver the message because I don't know that he ever really could until he built back a lot of respect from the Tupacs of our community and there are a lot of black people in our and there are a lot of black people in the community who feel betrayed by Michael. That's a whole other podcast. Do not shoot the messenger. It's just a reality. Um, whether it's valid or not, again, we go back to the idea of perception being reality and that perception being changes on multiple fronts that gave a lot of people pause that maybe he was not proud. Um, so yeah, he, he did it, and he did it, and it has made our list of one of the blackest moments, riding around town with a sign. Y'all know you need to stop it, but you'll do it anyway. Number three. Wait, can I ask you a list. question? This doesn't have to be in the podcast. Boom. Did did y'all give up Sony products when Michael said, don't use Sony products? No. no. So I didn't either, but let me tell you what I did. I had a Walkman, and I had a PlayStation. I wasn't giving up either of them. (laughs) (laughs) Everything that I had that was a Sony product, I wrote Sony sucks and taped it over the Sony. Oh my God. And you still (laughs) use the product. And they used it anyway. (laughs) I used it anyway. The problem is that. No, she's as bad as Prince writing Slave on his face, but still performing. Well, I mean, you know... You're not giving up no PlayStation 2. No, you're not. And I mean, the truth is that, like, when Michael said it, like, remember in the Remember the Time book, Bill talked about how they went and got him some headphones and they were Sony and he broke them? No, I did not do those sorts of things with the limited funds I have. Like, I mean, I'm not going to... I mean, again, Michael was asking things of his fans or asking people to boycott in a way that was detached from reality um and was it because dave Chappelle just did that shit and it worked right and now you're getting his show back yeah dave Chappelle said don't watch don't watch my shit on netflix but again a different person they are not the same person and they're not received by the they are not received by the public in the same way if we're talking about michael's point in time when he was asking for that and dave Chappelle's point in time when he's asking for that dave Chappelle walked away at the height of his success to protest the problems in that industry and community michael jackson did not do that so there is some credibility he loses you were not gonna I, like you said. You wrote on a piece of tape and put it over your things, I but your things, back, no. your <laughs> your things continue to work properly, and you continue to use them. It is a difference. And if Michael had said at Thriller when he accepted them Grammys, the industry is a mess. It is rigged against the artists, and I have been trying to overcome that system. Thank you for these awards, and um, I appreciate my mom and my dad and my brothers and sisters. If he had said that, we'd be in a different conversation altogether. But that's essentially what Dave Chappelle did. 
Michael didn't, Michael didn't do that. He starts to try to do that when it's over. And he didn't right, after Sony him. gave him $30 million. For after they gave him $30 million. $25 million to promote it. $30 million for a nigga who was never going to tour. And they wanted him to do that. And he refused. That's why I really think that's why they canned him. When he said, I won't do it. They're like, yeah. why are we giving you all these budgets for videos and all this other stuff? We done gave you a whole anniversary special. We done invited the world. <laughs> and Literally. here you are talking about I won't go tour. He did not want to do it. He wouldn't do it. And they pulled the plug because he also was saying, I'm leaving because you won't give me what I want. But I also won't compromise and give you some of the things you want. Uh, it was a perfect execution, Michael. <laughs> so i mean it is what it is i think he was just done he wanted to create because he's a creative not because he but he needed them never mind that's a whole nother episode let's go down to number three um number three on our blackest most blackest michael jackson moments is the godfather of soul mr please 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 Please, please. Mr. Excitement. No, Mr. Excitement. That was Jackie, Jackie Wilson. Wilson. Wrong one. Uh, shout out to Jackie Wilson. Uh, the Godfather of Soul, the one and only <laughs> Mr. James Brown's. This is a man's world. This is a man's world. James <laughs> Brown's funeral. James died. James Brown died December 25th in 2006. Everybody remembers when that is Christmas Day um, for us celebrating here in America. Um, and what a devastating moment to hear that the Godfather of Soul had passed away. James Brown died, and he uh, had a memorial service that same month, about five days later, in Augusta, Georgia, where he was he was from Georgia. And um, that funeral was attended by thousands. I mean, we really turned out. To it was the honor. largest funeral in Augusta history turned out to honor a man who gave so much to the world of music and to the black community and who shows up in an all leather black suit (laughs) with his black sunglasses his hair uh michael acted like that died he acted like it was joseph's funeral Mm, no, I think James not, Brown no, was his real daddy. Like I about to say he did not act like it was <laughs> Joseph. You're right; it's the opposite. But oh, no. he, Michael Jackson shows up, and we hear the stories of Michael combing his hair at the at the uh, morgue, combing James Brown's hair. Let's make sure we're being clear. Yeah, let me be clear. Michael combing James's hair mm. and trying to make sure he looks wonderful. I think that's a that's the best story I love of this that Michael did that for him. That's such uh as you're subjugating yourself, you're showing honor to someone else. Such a beautiful moment. But Michael Jackson shows up to the memorial service and people don't know how to act. And what makes this moment so black is that we 
it's a Michael he, a he, Michael concert. he didn't mean to but Michael showed up like he wore a red dress to the funeral <laughs> he shut it down he didn't mean to though but you know when someone shows up at a funeral wearing yellow or something and you're like huh Unless that's the color, because I've been to funerals. Really <laughs> Unless now. that's the color, okay. Yeah, because at Black People Street, you gotta you gotta put it in context. Gotta be black careful. Funerals. Somebody decides, you know, if there's a color scheme or not. So sometimes you wear white, sometimes you wear black, mm-hmm. sometimes you know the person's favorite color was yellow. You wear yellow. That's the theme. Everybody kind of complies. So we don't just do black. And at our funeral. No, we did. This situation, I think everybody was in black, though. Everyone was in black because we had we needed to be corporal. So when we have a, a, a celebrity funeral, we go with the basics. Okay. Black or white. Are they Kojic? We need to know. And are they <laughs> saved? We need to know. Okay. And do we know that they're surely saved? Okay. Yeah. And and then we'll we'll make a decision. But it was a black funeral and it was we were wearing black. Michael shows up. He's trying to be low-key. Okay, no, I'm gonna have to stop you there. Michael did not ever think he was gonna walk in there and not be noticed. He walked in there with an entourage of people around him. Of course. So that is the most high key, low key I've ever seen. But he also, no. But he's Michael. What's he else he's supposed to do? Walk in there with uh bubbles with uh he he put on a suit to uh you know fake costume to go everywhere else he wanted to go he could have done that to go to no because he needed to show his face and show his respect he, he had just walk. walked in like everybody else he did no, he, he did, did. No, he walked in with an entourage he walked in with like 600 people really and al did. sharpton and jesse jackson uh what i'm i'm just really asking what else did you think was going to happen <laughs> we knew what was gonna happen but you tried to say it like like, he didn't realize what was going to happen when people saw him. No, he knew. That's exactly why he wore all the... That's why he didn't go play. Like, remember when Jermaine said Michael was at his show, but Michael didn't announce it because he knew if he, he did, it would be the Michael Jackson show instead of focused on Jermaine. So, Michael was very aware that he would steal the spotlight. And so... That's why he showed up in his aviator's black suit, white shirt, and he knew it was still going to be a problem, but he low-keyed it. I think Michael he looked low key. awesome. He looks he really looks good at the funeral. You know what and the problem was? What? I'm watching it. <laughs> oh. <coughs> what's the name of um excuse me, what's the name of the man who introduced Michael after Bobby Bird left? The man who would say it's star time. Who <laughs> Who always introduced him and say, Mr. Dynamite. Mr. Please, please, please. It's still star time. <laughs> and that's when Michael walked in with the crew. Michael was, they love, I mean, so first of all, there will never be a more iconic home going. That is the most iconic home going ever. Michael Jackson sending off James Brown. That's, you can't top that. The- the part about the funeral, and I think anybody who who was of age or who was old enough to remember this and to understand the magnitude of the Godfather of Soul uh, passing away and being buried. I mean, this is one of the f- first funerals that I watched on TV. I remember, I think we were at my grandma's house watching it on TV. And when Michael came in and he went to the casket to to, to view the body, like the old Black people say, um, he 
leaned over and gave James James Brown a kiss on the forehead. And I remember that so vividly. I remember him like stroking his hair while he was standing at the casket. And you could feel in that moment the the hurt and the, you know, the respect, but you could feel that it was painful for Michael to say goodbye to this man who was I so iconic to him and who had meant so much to him, much in the same way that we you know, that we we all felt in 2009 when Michael Jackson died. So, it was just one of those things that always stands out in my memory when you say James Brown Michael Jackson, I think of the BET Awards, but I also think of the funeral when Michael, just in the ultimate show of respect, went to support James Brown. Because at this point, this is right after the trial, Michael was not living in the U.S. Michael, I don't think, has stepped foot back in this country until James Brown died after he left, after the the, uh, trial was over. So this was a big deal. Yeah, yeah, and... Uh, Danny Ray is James Brown's famous announcer that said it, it's still it's still star time when Michael Jackson walks out. But um, talking about funerals in the toys, but she very clearly said Michael hated funerals and he never went. So thinking about this being his first black funeral in several years, most likely it makes this even more wild. Um, and my favorite part is how he sits with the family. He on the first row. And you know, in a black funeral, the first row is family only. And you can dead ass get slapped for sitting in the wrong section. Yeah, you can. Not be in the family yeah, section you and you are not family. Michael was family. Yeah. Michael was family. They yeah. sat him on the front row. Beautiful. 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 When he got up there and said, you know... He, you know, he broke a little bit, you know, what he said, you know, I want, I had to say, you know, he he addressed the crowd because they was chanting or whatever. Which is insane. Yeah, that's the insane part. It's like, (laughs) but you know what? As insane as it was, it also seemed respectful to Jim. I feel like James Brown would have loved that because he knew that he was inside of Michael Jackson's success. A hundred percent inside of it. And I think he would have appreciated that. Like, it's how he continued to live, right? Like, so much of James Brown, James Brown famously said, Michael Jackson is the child who got his own. You know, God bless the child who got his own. He took what I did and took it and made it his own. But he still took what you did. And so, so much of you is inside of that man and his and his success. Michael Jackson becomes the biggest selling artist of all time because of James Brown. Michael Jackson gets eight Grammy Awards in one night because of James Brown. Michael Jackson goes on to impact the world in such a way because of little James Brown from Georgia. Like, that's not a stretch, folks. And so I think... leave this casket. No. So, I'm looking at it. He just can't walk away. He can't, he loved that man. And so much of his success was on James Brown. So it was such a beautiful moment to see that. It's like how, when, you know how when the king dies, like in olden times, they would say, long live the king. It's like, well, the king is dead. That's because the crown has been succeeded to the son. And that's, just, that's essentially what happened, right? 
Long live the king. James Brown is gone, but Michael Jackson is here. So long live the king, you know, because he's still here through him. And so I thought it was kind of a beautiful moment, super black, just a black funeral, um, which for us is a homegoing and a celebration of life. And that is exactly what you had there. And then Michael showed his respects. He did his thing. Bada bing, bada boom. He left. More and than 11. <laughs> more more at, news at 11 more at 11 dial 555 blackjack on your side so we're moving on to number two which is of our blackest most black the blackest of the black black all day and all night black cat black sheets black everything number two michael jackson writes a song about the police and calls the police name out <laughs> Michael said fuck he the actually was if we're gonna be correct he's the police he's the yeah. police that's exactly what he is in the words what was his name, Chang, what was his name? What was his Dom name? on the song he's Dom <laughs> with a D on the song he's Dom with a D in real life he's Tom with a T and as 2 Chains would say close that docket on that motherfucking prosecutor. And that's what Michael did I know when he released title track Dom Snedden. <laughs> DS. Snedden. DS. DS to abbreviate for you. Not to overexert you with too many syllables. DS. Just showing me. <laughs> yeah, Michael was really like, fuck the police. Because listen, the district attorney has put one case on you at this point <laughs> and you skate out of some charges completely, you know, regardless of what the charges are for a black man to skate on trial completely after being accused the way Michael was. Ooh, child. And this is, I mean, they are, they don't photograph this man naked. Of course he wrote a song about how that white man was a piece of shit. And I think it's only right that we clap for Michael, that we lift him up because nobody came for 12 like Michael did other than N.W.A. and uh, Ice-T. And Ice Cube after he left NWA. But like calling out the police or the feds or the DA, the government, this specifically was pretty dangerous. There, of course, were many rappers who were under investigation for, you know, tons of shit, but not for saying, fuck y'all. And Michael really shot that shot. And at the time, I know that I had to burn that white man's pants all the way up like his britches were on fire so uh this was a powerful moment shout out to michael for really saying you know what i'm gonna write these bars i'm gonna go record it and not only did he record it i'll put in the show link the show notes michael called his vocal trainer seth riggs over the phone because he was out of the country and said hey i have to record this song tonight Michael said, I have to record this song tonight. There are two notes I'm trying to hit, but he would not for nothing tell Seth Riggs what the song's name was or what it was about. And so Seth Riggs is like trying to dig out details to determine how how do I 
um, guide you in this, Michael. And so he asked Michael, what's the note? And Michael says, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Seth says, okay, um, you know, what, what's the feeling? And Michael says, cold. It's very cold. <laughs> and so Seth says, okay, uh, here's how we're going to get that out of you. And then he walks through, you know, how he needs to position his mouth and, and work him up to that. But Michael had that shit under wraps because he was determined to let the chopper fly and nobody was going to stop him. Five out of five stars. Listen, Michael talked about that man's mama in this song. And you don't get much blacker than that because, you know, when you really trying to fight, you really trying to square up, you go straight for somebody's mama. And then he said he was in the clan, which I 100 percent believe. 100 percent believe what we know now is Santa Barbara County is clan country. As is a lot of America. But... A.K.A. Trump country. <laughs> Well, let me say this. What what did it for me was when you say someone's first name and last name. And that is... That oh, so now we're admitting that he called that man's name in the song because I've been saying that for years and attorney uh, user one has been trying to tell me that. Well, no. And then listen now. He doesn't say his name, but the absence mm-hmm. of the first letter replaced by a similar sounding letter leaves no doubt as to whom we are talking about. I've never okay. said that. He Ash, said Dom. This, I want you to find the part in the song when Michael says, Thomas Snedden is <laughs> Thomas Snedden. You know, I'd be happy to do it. I you want you to find do. that. But here's the thing. That. Can't nobody do shit about it now. He did. Well, what I, but do? this is what I'm saying. That he said, well, that nigga was alive. So that's what's up. But and my both thing of them is, is gone. But but my thing is this now, like when you say somebody's first and last thing, that's like saying uh, Shaliqua Jenkins and you know who you are. When you do that, it's shots fired. You are really calling that person out and you really believe what you have to say about them. You're not just using an amorphous group like the police, the prosecutors. You're saying, no, him. Dom is like the 90s version of adding somebody online. Like, he added him he on added a record. He literally used him to sell records. I know that man was so pissed. <laughs> he said, I know he said, I had called his attorney and said, Can I get a piece of the action? Or no. Or because he's using me to sell these records and I'm not happy. Remember when he when they asked him about it, he was like, I don't listen to that sort of music. I was like, he had that thing on repeat for four days. I He's know. lying. He does. The same he way Michael said he don't read the tabloids. You know he did. Dom Tom, Tom Dom, was quite upset. But Michael was, he was, if nothing else makes you believe in Michael Jackson's innocence, it's his it's his insistence on using his art to proclaim it. Because when you're guilty, you normally go somewhere and sit in a corner and help people forget about it. But when you're innocent, you normally want to trumpet that idea. Like that's the whole thing that in innocent people will stand up for themselves. And so this was certainly one of those instances where Michael said, Hey, I'm not a punk. So Dom Snedden is a cold man. And that's why that comes in at number two, Michael Jackson taking shots at the police on record to sell uh, the best-selling double disc of all time. He put the police out there real smooth. We're going to take a quick 
side to give a two minute um, acknowledgement of another black moment that doesn't make the list, but is certainly an honorable mention. And that is Michael introducing the world to one of the greatest talents we know, and certainly a controversial figure in his own right, Mr. Wesley Snipes being introduced in the bad video in 1987. You Super ain't black bad. moment. You ain't nothing. You ain't nothing. User 2, how you feel about that? I love Wesley Snipes in bad. Um, I hate that he hit Halle Berry. Um, we ain't talking about that. I'm, you asked me. Um, so he is controversial in that way for me. I don't really care about him not paying his taxes. I love it. Um, <laughs> he went to jail for that. He did his time. He did his time. He's out. He's free. He pays mm-hmm. debt to society. Um, I think uh, Wesley Snipes getting his first gig in a Michael Jackson video is pretty wild in the big scheme of things. I mean, his career skyrocketed after that, and he was a leading man for uh, probably a solid decade after that. And, um, you know, Michael was his first gig. So that's what a, a start. Wild, like, imagine your, your first resume. job. Yeah, your first job is with the president of the United States. <laughs> not, a, not a riotous one, you know, a legit one. You know, and, that's your first job. Yeah. And he also gets to tussle with Michael Jackson. This is another he gets tussle. A, yeah, another tussle. You just want to how you feel about it. Michael West, loved a nice arm fight. How y'all feel about when, when he grabbed Michael and said, you ain't bad, you ain't nothing? How I love that shit. Bit? That is my favorite part. And I love the fact that, like, Michael, I think they, we, they talked about it in the Bad 25 um, miniseries that Spike Lee put together, or TV, you know, special. But I love the fact that Michael thought that Wesley Snipes really was a, a like a thug, like like he was like a gangster or something. And he thought Wesley he was a street Snipes, nigga. Yeah, Wesley was like, "Nah, I'm an actor, bro. Like, what do you?" Mean? <laughs> I think Michael thought everybody was a thug <laughs> except for him. He didn't he know you. Video, so he just assumed everybody was from the street. Michael, yeah. uh, Michael really might have been a crip. We need to really explain oh that. But anyway, we just wanted to give a shout out to Wesley Snipes, who is still, first of all, I just want to say this and I'm just going to be done with it. Wesley Snipes was absolutely beautiful in Waiting to Exhale. Like his look, everything about him was just like black man strong. Him and, and Hallie. He, and not Hallie, no. I'm sorry. He was him and Angela, Angela Bassett. Bassett. And him and Angela Bassett. That opposite was just beautiful. And when they held each other, when it he talked about his... Ooh, that cuddle was so beautiful. Um, when he cuddle. talked about his wife being sick and him just embracing this woman in that moment, it was very innocent and very beautiful. Shout out to Angela. So now we're talking about people who are all in Michael's sphere. Angela Bassett um wesley snipes so shout out to wesley snipes for yeah. his appearance in the bad video i'm sure that opened up a lot of doors for him he is the man you see today in blade and in uh so many other movies so many spike lee joints and everything in between um phenomenal actor of our time we are moving on to the number one moment and i bet you could not guess what it is but if you think like we think you already know what it is drum Roll the blackest of the black Michael Jackson moments on our list of our top seven is Michael Jackson's surprise appearance on the BET Awards to honor James Brown. That happened 
in June of 2003 in Los Angeles. Michael was there to present James Brown with the Lifetime Achievement Award. We all, if you were alive and you had cable, I know no one has it now because it's a scam, but at the time we were being scammed happily and if you had cable and you saw this live you know that James Brown was there to get his award and he had performed he was doing the footwork this is an old man now okay you know what I'm saying he was hitting the feet though if you looked at his feet like Michael said quit showing his face hit his feet you would see he was hitting that footwork okay we're all enjoying the show and they put that cape on him James takes a bow the crowd is going crazy. And the next thing you know, the crowd's volume goes up about 10 points. Because Michael Jackson walks out with a cape <laughs> to drape over the man he has dedicated his life to honoring for who he is. James Brown looks up, see this, sees that it's Michael, embraces him. And Michael does what, y'all? James Brown said, give him some. Is that what he said? Yeah, Michael said, no, no, no. <laughs> Michael's bowing to this man. Like, he's bowing. Like, you know, the he's bowing to the king. Michael's bowing to the king. And James Brown is like, give him some. They dropped that beat. James Brown was good for calling out Michael to dance if he saw him during one of his performances. <laughs> when he saw him and Prince and was like, both of oh y'all need to get up here and dance. Pet something. You need to dance. Yeah. Because you're my children. Mm-hmm. Neither one of you would deny it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what the fuck we all want? Shake something right now. Yeah. That was James Brown's face. So watching it in real time, we all were just like, oh my God, oh my, because nobody was expecting it. Because at this point, Michael didn't didn't show up for just any damn body. Michael had to be, it was a reason that Michael was there. He didn't just, he was like Prince towards the end of his life. Prince would show up at award shows to collect his award and then he would, or, you know, read whatever he's supposed to read and then leave. So it was- He might so, shade you during the whole performance. Right, and then he's going to talk he about might. you clearly while you're on stage. But when Michael came out and draped the cape over James Brown and James Brown looked up and clearly was surprised, his face at seeing Michael was just so great. He was just like, oh, he looked like you girl my look when you say you won't come at home and then you show up at her house. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it was that kind of surprise and that kind of excitement. And it was just so great. It was just so great. He, the way Michael busts out his uh, eight count and then strolls up to the microphone. Everybody thinks Michael's about to sing some shit. What does Michael do? (laughs) And (laughs) spins his ass right the fuck out. (laughs) You're not going to get a free show out of me. Okay. But James Brown just told me to shake some. So I did. As he requested Yeah, it was, um, I mean, great. As you can see, I am feeling my motherfucking self. I have on sequined jeans. Um, yes. These weren't, these, this is, pr- this is not a skinny jean at this point. This is a. It's a boot cut. These are a boot cut low eyes combo. Um, I tried to duplicate this look. <laughs> Why? First of all, I already had some jeans with the glitter on them. So when Michael came out, I said, oh, 
shit. I have the but, but wait a minute. But I need y'all to talk about the girls that decided to hit it in the background. They said, I'm going to dance with Michael Jackson in my career. Oh. The girl who hit it in the background, you know what I'm talking about? The what girl the who started else? dancing. What the fuck else you going to do? Just like she, Judith Hill. I mean, just like Judith Hill shot her shot. If you are you need to shoot there, your shot. You need to shoot your shot. What you can do. And there's a fine line. Do not disrespect James Brown because this is his fucking moment. And do not overwhelm Michael Jackson because you will hear about it later. Michael looked good. He had that shirt open. He had his it. He gave hair, us a good amount of good. Oh, hair was beautiful. That was a good hair day. Yeah, his hair it was. Good. I know who didn't do nothing with hair Stop and makeup it. that day. Don't I know who it. didn't. Don't do that. You don't know. I bet. You don't. I bet. You don't know. I didn't say I bet. You don't know. And I would and like I ain't to. I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. When his makeup was looking clownish, I feel like I know who. Got it. Got it. <laughs> I'm got just going to throw it out there. In general, that good. is true. In general, that is true. I just find this era to be really tricky. because It's very tricky. He, he yeah. hopped between uh, Janet um, I'm forgetting Janet's last name that does the hair. She also does Janet Jackson's hair. Um, and Karen, and then Michael just being fucking rogue. <laughs> and I'm sure there were some other people in there that we have no idea just, about. I paused it on Michael and James standing at the po- at the mic together, both of their hair permed out. And I just go, y'all are beautiful kings. Beautiful kings. Beautiful kings. That is Look actual here. black. Uh, that is <laughs> actual black that excellence. black excellence right there. And James had the rap button the night before. So first oh. of all, remember when we talked no, about no, 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 rap, no, 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 y'all? That's Jane- a doobie rap. I, okay, I don't That's think he sweated, but he had sweated out when he performed. It was really tragic that he had remember out. when your grandma said bump it under it. a little bit, bump I, it under a little bit. That's what I was about to say. I think bump he it. did a hair roller at night. Bump it. I think James <laughs> Brown did a roller set at night and then he bumped it in the morning. Bump it a little bit. That but man, I'll tell you what, I think the Another part that's really important here, Danny Ray, the famous announcer for James Brown, puts the cape on Michael at some point. Mm-hmm. And you ain't never seen James Brown come up off of his cape. Long mm-hmm. live the king. I'm telling you, yeah. it's a long live the king moment. It would just, it's a continuation. And they just look so wonderful. I'm looking at them, right? Michael was a good weight. Mm-hmm. His he hair looked thick. good. He was on the Yo, thick end. The baby was thick. And his hair looked good. He had that one black glove on. And he, he was giving us a waist. He was oh, waist boot. I mean, a little listen, booty. He gave him Mike. <laughs> Mike was looking really spiffy here. So was James. James Brown was looking really good. Now, mind y'all, don't be twisted. At this point, James Brown is about to create another baby. Oh yeah. Wow. So don't yeah, he, wow. he he had a how old was that, that little boy? That baby was five. Boy. He oh, was yeah, five. he was five. He was five years old. Right. So he was already alive at this point because we're mm-hmm. only two years out from the funeral. When James said, three years. Yeah, when James said he was moving, grooving, doing it like a sex machine. He wasn't playing. That's not a joke. And so they are both up here just looking like black royalty. Opened so many doors for so many people. And um, it's beautiful. Michael had his notes. He was ready to read Mm. James put crossed his hands across his uh, uh, waist like a king and listened to them words. There was no one else James would have let give him this award. Yeah, yeah. sure. 
Absolutely. There's nobody else. And, and no one else should have. Honestly, nobody I think else. this is why black platforms are so important, because this if this would have never happened. No, this would have never happened. Me. And it's a shame no. that um, it takes us going into ourselves and saying, you know, who need to link up James Brown mm-hmm. and Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. And we need to do that like ASAP. Because they they were not with us much longer. Both of them, we didn't know that both of them that that and you never. I say this: the both of them, none of us know the day nor the hour. But we certainly didn't know James Brown uh, lived much longer in his life than Michael Jackson experiences his in his. And for as much as James Brown was out there, um, Michael was out there too, just in a different way. And I really hate that it came to what it was. If Michael had stayed in the frame he was here, he'd probably still be with us. But because of all the Rodney Jerkins is in this video, I'm looking at him in the back. They are everybody's just watching. Like if you've everybody hopefully so for I know when I saw this, I barely knew what was happening because I was like losing it crying coming out there right my yeah, face so. was wet it i i was just thinking i'm so glad we got to see this and for the the kids who were too young or didn't get to please watch it but this was crazy to watch live mm-hmm. it was crazy and make sure you check out james brown's check out the crowd these are celebrities these are people who are in it in the moment and they are losing it Fair and enough. check out james brown's girls in the back because they don't know how to act neither they are pulling out moves they did not practice that they have been holding on to for the right moment this was it yeah this is just a really good day for black people um i'm so pleased and so blessed to have lived during both of their lifetimes Mm-hmm. so thankful we got to witness that live so we can tell y'all just how wild it was um and my and you know y'all notice how james brown never felt diminished by michael and michael never felt exalted being around james brown and he always made sure he gave him enough space to do his thing like Mm -hmm. he stepped back immediately after giving him his award you know get Mm -hmm. the fuck out of the way the honor the honor he paid to that man and you saw the same thing happen um, and you can at me on this, but again, after 12 p.m., the same thing you saw happen with Beyonce and Michael. And they never performed together, but you saw when her when she was presenting him with something or doing something to honor him, she stepped back. But she really was the next piece to this yeah. puzzle. She was next in line, and she we was didn't even next know in that. Line. We, we didn't had even know. No it. idea Beyonce was next in line like we that. We did not know. But look at how she stepped back. She would step back and honor him because you recognize Michael recognized that he couldn't be without James Brown, right? And Beyonce recognizes that she could not be without Michael Jackson, and that's why the beef you see online it's really fan community beef because these. Folks never didn't have it between themselves, but you know it's it's so unnecessary because you go. This is a beautiful beautiful continuation, and um, let's honor that and honor these folks. User one, I know you wanted to mention some of our legends that have transitioned on to a better place. That's not this dusty pandemic ridden planet that we live on. Did you want to share a little bit? Certainly. So I know everyone was shocked, saddened, 
to hear that the beautiful, very beautiful, beautiful at 70, beautiful, just beautiful Miss Mary Wilson of the Supremes passed away this month. I mean, just a complete shock. She was working on some new projects. I mean, she had been tweeting and uh, posting videos in February talking about uh, what she was doing and how excited she was for her new efforts. And her fans were excited. Um, and she was excited. So to just to see that happen very suddenly, I don't I don't think we know the cause at this point. Uh, but regardless, just a shock. Uh, she and Diana Ross uh, were the last two living Supremes, original Supremes. And now we're just down to Miss Diana Ross, who... Um, acknowledged uh we know that they had a, a beef a long-standing kind of beef um but was able to obviously hopefully there, there was peace there uh, put that aside and acknowledge uh who she was and who she was as a member of the supremes and let's just say real quick talking about the supremes who were a mega super 10 out of 10 over Destiny's Child, over who else? Every, over everybody, over all others. Black group really paved the way. Their songs are iconic. And they were teenagers knocking on Motown's door, trying to get a contract. And I think they, uh, Ashley, I know you've read some of their stuff. The first thing they did with Motown was add some claps before that they were little secretaries just <laughs> just, you know, just hanging out in the papers, lobby filing but, papers and getting water so to mary wilson who held that group together before during and after diana ross god bless you we love you uh you were so beautiful so awesome so be- so like full of life dyna- a dynamic woman just dynamic personality dynamic presence period just and gorgeous Wardrobe michael gorgeous. wanted to be a goddamn supreme so bad <laughs> <laughs> if he could have been a boy supreme you bet your oh ass he would have a sub- uh, a, a boy supreme a boy supreme <laughs> in bell bottoms <laughs> He would have looked like a pip. He would have been the one pip. (laughs) I mean, the Supremes are just like, so, you know, what we really need, we talk about it all the time, but we're never going to do it because we don't have the time. We're going to start another podcast and talk about all the other music acts we love. We're never doing that. We're never doing it, guys. Please don't look for it. But I mean... (laughs) <laughs> we don't have time to do this we don't have to the time okay or the funds honestly um so please donate uh but i mean the supremes excellent group mary wilson may she rest and get the rest she deserves as she is now restfully in the arms of her savior and what a beautiful and uh meaningful life her contributions to the world are will never be erased um and her legacy lives on and on and on in her music and what she's done um uh, in the lives of others and how her music has impacted people so that's what we wanted to say but we have given you our top seven blacks of the blacks it is black history month it is still black history month but it is black history 365 and we believe that and live it on a daily we appreciate y'all that's it we're sending off we're saying good night and enjoy the sounds of i don't know what are we starting this or ending it with the we're playing the BET we're playing we're playing it at the end you can hear Michael Jackson's feet shuffling as we speak check us out again um check out our episodes you haven't heard before feel free to uh give us a like 
uh, give us a nice comment. Um, let us know how you're feeling about uh, what we're doing. If you can, please donate. Please donate. Please donate. Help support what we're doing. Um, helps keep us going and producing new content for you. Content that you'll enjoy. Um, content that will make you happy. That will make you laugh. That will make you think a little harder. Maybe sometimes it will make you sad or make you angry. But it still is enriching your experience as a Michael Jackson fan. We appreciate your support. Keep leaving us messages. Keep downloading. Keep streaming. And that's it. Black History 365. Demands change. A genius. I love you more. I couldn't, I couldn't refuse to give this award tonight because nobody has influenced me more than this man right here. the bottom of my heart since I was a child at six years old he was the one that I looked up to more than any other entertainer and I still do today so I'd like to say ladies and gentlemen I am deeply honored I love you I'm deeply honored to present to James Brown, this year's Lifetime Achievement Award, and nobody deserves it more than this man.